Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Frio Big Footy podcast. This week we'll be going to have a look back at the game versus Sydney in the Land Hall Classic where once again Frio turned up for the first half and sort of fell asleep a bit in the second half before kicking on to record their best ever start to a season. And then we'll have a look at the upcoming clash against Melbourne which has sort of taken on a new perspective after their terrific win against Richmond on Friday night. Joining us is our usual residential Victorian expert, Seppo, how are you mate? I am very good and glad to be sitting four and zip. It's uh, what a start to a year and just makes me excited to get into the next week of footy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously in the end of the, uh, at the end of the game, it was uh, Fremantle 11 goals, 8.74 to Sydney Swans, 8 goals, 12.60. And as we just talked about a little bit earlier, Seppo, it's definitely a game of two halves. And uh, Fremantle once again showed in the first half some outstanding football, but unfortunately... Uh, Fell asleep again in the third quarter where Sydney were able to sort of get back on top in the clearances and in the centre and just looked a lot stronger. But uh, once again, we were able to steady a bit more in the last, which was pleasing, and then uh, sort of ended up getting away with the victory. Mm. I suppose the difference between uh, this little uh, fall asleep is that the Sydney are a good side and they pressed us hard and we um, got hit in that third quarter. And I just heard Ross recently on the uh, footy show, I think, mention that he was actually thought it was a pretty good three quarters of footy and it was just that third one. So it was very good leadership in the last to sort of hold off that fight that Sydney put in. Um, but what went wrong in that third, I watched the replay already and just trying to work it out. It's a bit hard to see other than the fact that the uh, Sydney players are pretty classy and sort of exposed us with a couple of matchups around the ground. And certainly some players seemed a bit down on form and it, um, probably the likes of Barlow and Neil were probably down on their normal output. No, absolutely, and I think that was probably the biggest thing to come from the game, particularly in the first half when the heat was on Seppo, was not the fact that obviously we were, I mean, obviously we did play well, but it wasn't, it was more of our lesser lights that were the guys that were leading the way, and in particular DeBoer, and I know Subin's got plenty of uh, stick on the forums, but even he was uh, in and under and quite hard at it. I mean, Fife continued his, you know, pretty sensational start to the year, but it was just more of those lesser lights. Spur in the back line once again was very strong. Ibbotson, there was just those sort of... Uh, Rather than being our normal uh, sort of guys leading the way, it was sort of more of those lesser lights, even Clancy mm. Pierce. I suppose that's the big thing about all those players you just mentioned. I just watching that last quarter to see crucial spoils and intercept marks from the likes of DeBoer, Subin, Clancy Pierce, Mzungu, and Ibbotson with that last one that set up Main's goal. He probably won't be uh, recognised for that on the stat sheet, but that was certainly his goal because Sydney were probably out again then. And just to ice the game. Um, with Maney's kick on goal. Um, it was just brilliant from Mazungu. Um, not Mazungu. Mazungu did something earlier, but Ibbotson was brilliant to cut that off. And it's one of those things when you watch the replay, he looks a mile off the contest and how quickly he got into close off and just put a little fist in. And there was a couple of around the ground as well where DeBoer and Sue and Clancy were just flying in recklessly, just trying to get a hand on the ball and, and kill the contest because... Sydney certainly looks good and they're array at stages, but the way we sort of did a team defence approach and, and guys knew when to go, you, you certainly can't back out of the contest like some other clubs are and other games I've watched. They're certainly not to that level of intensity and team defence. Yeah, it was interest, interesting. The other thing I think, Seppo, as well, was um, the way that Fremantle used their loose man. Like, obviously, uh, there's been a bit of talk about it this year and obviously they changed it up a little bit in the third quarter and even like... Um, when guys like Lockie Neal, who seemed to be playing on McVeigh quite a bit early in the early game, even when the um, sort of they were 
you know, getting on top of us in the clearances in that third quarter, they still meant, they still kept locking Neil out of that centre square um, thing. So it was interesting to see whether they were just trying to push it differently or go for a different look. But it was um, it was just different. So you know, just the way where they had that extra loose man at the contents rather than the extra man down back. Just a couple of things they tried in that third quarter didn't seem to pay off very well. Even having the uh, I know we use the third man up quite regularly, but we never seem to do it very well. Uh, every time we've tried to use it, we seem to either tap it directly to their player or we never get the clearance. Mm. Well, I suppose it's looking at the um, going back on Neil's influence and Barlow being down, I've just had a look at their uh, time on ground percentages and it's way down on their usual. Barlow's 69% time on ground and Lockie Neil was 73. So I reckon if there's goes, guys going in with uh, a bit of, I think, a mention of a head cold or something like that, that those players were down and um, certainly had that effect in the uh, contested possessions and even just the clearances. It's one thing we usually dominate, but Sydney got on top of us there with um, 38 clearances to 29. And, and even though Sandalands did dominate, it didn't seem like that food tr- true midfield unit that was just dominating um, right the way through the uh, earlier rounds. Yeah, I mean, even as you said, talking about Barlow and Neil and that sort of thing, the interesting thing with even in that case was the fact that they had... Uh, you know, they used 59 interchanges up to half-time, but actually only still ended up on 105, I think, for the game. So they probably didn't use... And I think Sydney were up to about 115. So we're 15 interchanges short. Now, normally, in our normal sort of game routine, Ross is pretty adamant about going right up to, you know, the 120, 119 mark. So I wonder if it was just they kept them out there so they didn't have to run back and forth to the bench as much or they rotated them through different sections of the ground rather than sort of rotating through the bench. So... Because um, it's very unusual for Fremantle not to use their full allocation of interchanges. Mm. Obviously, uh, probably one of the standouts, I think, for the game, obviously, was the clash between uh, Franklin and um, McFarlane. And uh, obviously, McFarlane definitely had the wood on him early and obviously played pretty well on him all game. Where, um, you know, But I think Ross was pretty sort of um, clear on it early in the game. When we were making it difficult for Sydney to bring the ball in, obviously made it much easier for Luke and the defence. But... In that third quarter, particularly when they move Reed up the ground, we just struggled with that um, with that uh, matchup and uh, and also allowing them to have too much easy ball going into the forward line, and they lowered their eyes a bit and got a lot of easy, a lot more easier shots for goal. Mm. It was one thing I th- talked about last week with uh, Silvani not being out there to curtail the influence of Franklin. That I did worry that the combination of Franklin and Tippett might push the. Uh, balance in there because I don't like sort of Johnson and McFarlane constantly having to take two big units and I suppose they are two of the and Tippett's huge in the upper body and even Johnson was tight checking him he still managed to get some marks away and both Tippett and Buddy ended up kicking 2-2 each Um, but I suppose McFarlane did the great job of running around with Buddy all day and making it really hard for him not just giving easy ones and let him go if he goes up the ground because I noticed Buddy did try and have a bit of an influence up the ground and McFarlane sort of stayed deep. But it was uh, good to see that they at least didn't uh, rip us apart and kicked four each or anything like that. So it's uh, great to see that those two can do it, but it will be great when combination of Silvani, Dawson and even Alex Pierce once he starts to develop and we can get some other sides that don't have good two big power forwards like that that we can... Um, start to share the load because you don't want McFarlane doing that for 22 rounds. No, absolutely not. And I think, um, you know, as you said, they'll probably try and get as many wins in the bank early. I mean, I know when, you know, looking looking a long way ahead, Seppo, they've obviously got a little bit of an easier draw come, I think, between round 16 and 20. So hopefully by then 
they'll be able to sort of rest a couple of those blokes and uh, see how they're going. But um, now, as I said, I think it's one of those opportunities where um, Freeman will obviously try and uh, rotate guys where they can. But at the same time, it's at the moment it's pretty tough for spots. And when you look at the guys who are trying to get in, you've got uh, Ballantyne, Sheridan, Crozier, and then obviously guys like Dawson and Silvani also waiting in the wing. So the the uh, list is in pretty good. Uh, shape at the minute mm. and it's a good thing about this the game that we used a sub to pull off Tabana and we didn't pick up any major injuries other than you know the usual little rolled ankles here and there and guys stretching out their uh, calves on the sideline that we've been quite lucky that the only injury we've really picked up since the start of the year has been Sheridan with his um, hamstring or quad strain whatever it was that calf, we've yeah. actually been very lucky considering all other sides and the big long-term injuries they've been adding to their list we actually got out of this hard-fought contest pretty much well unscathed, and it, it certainly makes the uh, pressure for spots increased. And no one sort of gifted a game, and you got the likes of Ballantyne to bring back into the side next week. It becomes uh, quite hard. Yeah, I think it was interesting that uh, you know even when you look at the game itself, as you said with Sheridan with his calf. But the interesting thing was when you look at the Fremantle side, you know, probably out of our uh, top sort of possession getters. Really, like Lee Spur was up there with 21. Clancy played a defensive role at 20. Johnson had 18. Ibbotson had 18. And McFarlane was up there with 16. So out of our top 10 players, four or five of them were defenders. So I think it showed that we probably um, had quite a uh, quite a bit of improvement left. But it also it showed that Sydney did a really good job of shutting down the outside run of Pearson Hill in particular. Um, even though they did get a bit of the ball, they weren't as damaging, obviously. you know, Especially, I mean, last week was a bit of an aberration. But... Even the uh, week before against Geelong, they sort of uh, where they were able to run a bit more freer. They certainly did a good job of shutting them down. And the fact is, we were still able to get the points, which was really pleasing. I suppose this is the one thing that we've had in the last couple of weeks that Sydney Major shut down as both, well, all three of Walters, Hill, and Daniel Pierce, none got on the scoreboard um, with a goal. So that was usually where a lot of our drive and, and goal kicking was coming from in previous weeks. But I don't know if it was positioning or just the way we structured up, but those three would have been handy for um, probably three goals amongst the three of them, but didn't seem to find it, and it sort of led to that lower-scoring game um, with 74 points scored in total. But Sydney definitely were a, a worthy opponent, and they did try really hard, and it's um, good to know that we can match it with the best of them, and it wasn't just a, an aberration. These you know, first other three games, beating Port, Geelong, Eagles, and now we're sort of validate it with a, a big win against another undefeated side. And now, depending on the uh, other results going forward, if we can stay up there and stick top two, we're going to be in a very good position. Yeah, I think um, at the start of the year, if you look when we looked at the draw, I think most Fremont fans would have probably been reasonably happy if it was maybe two and two, optimistically three and one. But four and zip was definitely a, um, you know, a terrific result, and as you said, it gives us a platform to set up the rest of the year, but it's important that we don't just sort of uh, rest on the laurels and we keep uh, keep going, because we do have, even now, a couple of tough games coming up. Um, you know, we always seem to struggle with Essendon at home for some reason, And uh, but if we can sort of, as you said, keep those top two um, hopes alive, it will certainly make it um, important for us if we want to be any chance of making the GF, I think, being in that top two, even though we've shown we can win on the road, having those top two games at home just makes all the difference. Mm. All right, any other points you want to bring up, Seppo, on this one? 
Uh, not from that game and the fact that it's um, going to be quite interesting if um, Fife gets the three Brownlow votes again because certainly might get it in the, the coaches' votes and maybe some of the Sydney players like Hanabry or um, Jack or Lloyd, some of those other guys might squeeze in there with a vote or two. But I think Fife is um, certainly best of field in terms of a visual from an umpire's probably watching what he did on the ground. But who would you do as your 3-2-1 uh, votes? Because I had down probably three for Fife, two for probably... Hill, maybe Ibbotson, um, and then one for probably Hanbury. Yeah, I thought Hanbury was probably their best player. I mean, Sam Reid was very good in the second half, but it was just, um, but his first half was pretty abysmal. So um, I think, you know, as you said, Fife was certainly more the standout player. I mean, you know, important tackles and stuff in close. Um, as you said, you had guys like the ball, but once again, and, um, you know, those sort of guys, but they just didn't play that four quarters. I thought McFarlane would probably get a vote. Mm. Um, I thought he'd certainly do well in the um, he'll certainly do well in the best and fairest, if not the brown low. Yeah, um, I don't think Hills probably did enough. I was I was quite a big fan of Spurs game. I thought he played very very well, but once again, it's very unusual for um, those sort of uh, defenders to get brown low votes, you know. Mm. And as you said, Ibbotson was another sort of um, standout player. Um, you know, it was an interesting matchup when they had Kennedy and Fife going head to head, and uh, the way they played each other, and uh, you know. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Brownlow votes go on that night because no one really stood out for four quarters consistently, I thought. So mm. um, being those game of two halves and, you know, as you said earlier, Seppo, when you're playing a team like Sydney, they're all, you knew they were always going to come back and uh, they weren't going to lay over for the whole four quarters. So it was just the way we were going to respond and probably Lyon wouldn't be happy with the fact that it took us a whole quarter and that quarter, three-quarter time break to be able to sort of wrestle the momentum back a little bit. And even probably the start of the fourth quarter, Sydney still had it there for probably another five, ten minutes at the start of the fourth. So he'll certainly have things to work on. And uh, I think at the moment his adage was pretty accurate. We're probably not a juggernaut team, but we are certainly hardworking. And uh, I think there's definitely a lot of room for improvement to come. Yeah, I suppose that's one thing we've seen. We've got four wins, but we haven't seen a proper four-quarter performance yet. So I suppose the best probably would have been Geelong, but even then I don't think it was a full four-quarter performance. So be great to see finally this week you know when we're looking at coming over to play melbourne the mcg on a, a big stage and the proving side that we um probably string a four quarter performance together to really just um push ourselves in the right direction and improve on last week it's probably not good enough just getting a win now we've got to sh- make sure that we can do a four quarter performance and let the players improve or it's probably the stage you can start dropping people on performance if they're Starting to let down to get some changes into the side and, and get some different people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but that's the thing, as you said, people, it's so hard to get in the side now that no one will want to get themselves dropped. I mean, even like, it was interesting to see um, Lyon's comments on Sheridan last night as well. Like, he was quite obviously keen for him to get back in. And, you know, he played exceptionally well in the first game. But coming back off his calf injury, it's now going to be hard to push it in. Like, Mazungu's effort last night in the last quarter as the sub was. Um, you know, sensational. So, yeah, he'll um, he'll certainly be pushing for a top, um, you know, for you know, starting twenty-one spot as well. So, you know, just no one can afford to take a, you know, time off. And even like guys like De Boer, you could just sort of see he was playing for his um, for his spot in the twenty-two and was just desperate all day. So, I mean, it's a great great place for the match committee to be in, but it's also going to be, um, you know, tough to uh, keep all those players happy at the same time. Mm. All right, well, we haven't got the ins and outs this week because unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for me, but unfortunately for others, I've got to uh, travel and I'm going away for the week. So 
we did the podcast a little bit early this week. Um, and thanks, Seppo, for uh, coming on board, doing it a bit earlier. But we obviously got a chance to have a look at Melbourne um, on Friday night, and they pretty 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 strong performance there against uh, the Tigers. And uh, the Tigers would be obviously bitterly disappointed with that performance. Um, obviously, Seppo, we don't know the ins and outs, but you'd have to think Ballantyne would come straight back into the side. Um, so looking at that just on its own, who I mean, most people on the board seem to think that the ball will be the player out. Um, who do you think will be the ins and outs for this week? Yeah, it's certainly hard to do it on performance, and you think structurally they subbed off Tabernacle, but against Melbourne, I'm not sure if they just want to expose him again. It is probably an option to go Tabernacle for Ballers and keep ourselves a bit shorter, um, but I suppose. It all depends on what they want to go with. If it's just a, the one change, they might look at two. And if there's players that are still carrying a bit of sickness, or I'm not sure if Neil or um, Barlow would probably want to be dropped if they're not 100%, because once they lose that spot, it's going to be hard to come back in. But it's very hard to find a, a natural replacement to get Ballers into the side, because the the guys on the uh, the periphery or the lower end of the um, skill list of the uh, best 22 are actually playing decent games. So it's hard to justify dropping Subin or Pierce after the great games they've had. And for the balance, it doesn't make a lot of sense to drop some others to get Ballantyne in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if it's just the one change, but it might be someone like Tabiner or, I suppose, DeBoer to get yeah. them out. He's yeah, been I, so good for what he's done so far. I think that was, you know, that was probably the game last night where Ballantyne would have done something a little bit, you know, even in that third quarter or even the last quarter where... He just manages to do something and bring the crowd into it or just break it open a little bit. And I think that's where his you know, value is, just that extra pressure tackling as well. And uh, you'd have to think there's no way that he's not going to be coming straight back into the side. So mm. it'll be definitely um, someone who's probably played a pretty good game is going to miss out, unfortunately. And, uh, but you just, have to, you just have to play him. And I think particularly at the MCG, I think um, it's important that Ballantyne does play you know, even though he hasn't, you know, he played a cracking game there last year against Richmond, and I think he got six goals there last year. Um, yeah. You know, after all the talk about his grand final performance, but I think it's important, and he's definitely in our best twenty-two, so he has to come straight back in. Yes. All right. What did you, what what impressed you about the uh, Melbourne side on the Friday night, Seppo? Well, some of the younger guys or new guys that they've got out there now starting to set up with um, Aaron Vandenberg and our old mate. Uh, Jesse Hogan, so they are likely types that are starting to improve and really probably those type of people are the whole improvement to Melbourne's list this year and that's why they're a better team because certainly Jamar's a good ruckman, will be a good challenge for Sandlands, but midfield matchup would have been covered there, but the guys like Howe and, and Hogan are pretty good in the air and we'll actually see some good matchups with them, but I think our midfield will be too dominant for them. Um, but it's it's good to see that Melbourne have improved and we won't call this a walkover. And, um, yeah, they'll they'll put up a bit of a fight, but not as much as Sydney have, I suppose. Yeah, I, th- oh, I mean, as you said, Melbourne, I think, are heading in the right direction. And I think if they had um, Jack Viney in this week as well, I think he's still going to be a big loss for them, particularly against the bigger midfielders that we have. So it would have been... Uh, Definitely uh, a loss for those guys, but you, you can start to see a bit of uh, glimmer of sunshine for those Melbourne supporters. You can, like as you said, Hogan just looks a beast, and obviously when he was over here playing for Claremont in the Waffle, you, you saw that same sort of uh, attributes that he showed on Friday night when he was playing for Claremont. Loves hitting the pack and take a pack mark, and 
one thing that was interesting even on Friday night, particularly even in the wet Seppo, was the fact that when he was probably a colt at um, waffle level, his kicking wasn't terrific, but he um, managed to slot them through on Friday night and uh, you know, even a couple on hard on the boundary. So it certainly won't be a game that Fremantle would be wanting to take lightly. Um, and obviously Melbourne will be uh, up and about and the supporters will probably be a little bit happier as well after the uh, you know, a couple of years, long few years in the doldrums. It's... Um, at least it's looking up for them, and they uh, look like by come the end of the year they'll have a this sort of semblance of a good side, particularly when you've got Petraka to come back in next year as well. That's true. So would you read more into the fact that Melbourne have improved or Richmond have really tailed off? Because I think watching that game early, they've certainly got some guys there that are well down on form, and they did win the clearances by a fair margin against the Ds, but some of the guys have just had shockers, and you can't afford to have Cochin and Martin sort of pull them over the line every week and the, their depth, I suppose, is being exposed and I suppose they did lose a couple of people to injury out there but no, it was really showing that Richmond's probably gone back on last last year and they were just lucky to get a big win against um, Brisbane the week before that you know Melbourne have improved and Richmond haven't. Yeah, I think um, they always seem to struggle when Delidio doesn't play Richmond for whatever reason and um, as you said, I don't think... Uh, and Richmond, you know... Occasionally you can do all right when you take other clubs sort of, you know, fringe players and Richmond actually have quite a lot of them. And I know we've, you know, we've got a lot of mature ages in there and I know Sydney have also got them, but they seem to meld in pretty well. But Richmond have got, like, I mean, they picked up Taylor Hunt this year, but they also have the likes of Chaplin, um, that sort of thing. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to, uh, you know, see in the next couple of weeks whether, how, how that form line holds up. So, but, you know, I think it's a bit of both. I think Richmond weren't probably once the rain came down weren't hard enough, and I think Melbourne just were a bit more desperate. And um, you know, it's particularly when you're playing wet weather footy, I think it um, shows out, and I think they definitely uh, deserve the win. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they go this week against the Fremantle side, who'll be you know looking to make it five in a row. Mm. Any other any sort of matchups stand out for you this week? Um, it'd be interesting just to see if we um, go with sort of any hard tags or if they use Vince to run with, um, I suppose, Hill or maybe some outside runners that they think is damaging enough. Um, I know we've pretty much left Nathan Jones unchecked most times, but now they've got some other guys that start to run through there um, that are not Dom Tyson's um, a likely type in the midfield. and um can't remember else who runs through the midfield much. Daniel Cross, probably more of a, an outsider. But yeah. um, there's no sort of main matchups that you'd want someone running with. Um, Dom Tyson's probably one of their talented types that yeah. gets a lot of the footy and plays well. But even the old Harry Lumumba and um, some of the other guys that play sort of on the outside and running, Neville Jetta, probably don't need to worry about them too much and... Um, they're obviously going to have one change with um, Dean Kent going down with that hamstring injury. But, um, it's, yeah, it's not exciting really in terms of matchups, I suppose, until you actually see the uh, teams named and lining up on, on the on the game day. But it's um, no matchups are really standing up as well. Yeah, it'll be that. interesting to see how, um, who, obviously in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of talk about the way Melbourne have using Bernie Vince, in particular in the tagging role. And obviously he played um, on Trent Cotchin on the weekend and pretty kept him pretty quiet, particularly in that second quarter. And, um, you know, even though I know they moved Cotchin forward, but he certainly um, did a good job and did a good job on Dangerfield the week before. So it'd be interesting to see whether 
they run um, Vince with Fife or whether they choose to run Vince with someone else because uh, they don't generally play with a lot of taggers. Um, and as you said, some of their newer improvers in there, like as you said, Nathan Jones has been a staple, but I was pretty impressed with Vandenberg on Friday night. And Newton showed a bit even in the uh, pre-season game here and has been a pretty good pick-up from Port as well. Yeah. And Mitchie's the other one as well. He, he sort of came on as a sub and uh, got a bit of game time and obviously being an ex-Frio boy and uh, fortunately hasn't had a good run with injuries, but he be interesting to see if he keeps his spot this week as well. Yeah, certainly. The other one will be, uh, obviously, Jack Watts has just hasn't been able to uh, sort of lack in a bit of confidence out there, so it'll be interesting to see what tactics Freeman will use on him to uh, see if they can uh, do it. Because obviously, once again, they do have a... Uh, you know, Jeremy Howe has played back, but they've got a pretty reasonable size forwards with uh, Chris Dawes is sort of starting to show a bit of the form he had played against when he was playing for Collingwood. And then obviously you've got, uh, you know, the other forwards they have in there with Jesse Hogan, as you mentioned earlier. So they have got a, guys they can switch around a bit. And I thought McDonald showed a bit down back as well as a full back for him. Mm, he's certainly probably one of the uh, informed defenders out in the comp, um, probably with McFarlane and, and Rance, although Rance had a shock last week. But... Tom McDonald's been playing pretty well and probably one of Melbourne's best so far um, this season. So um, certainly going to be a job for them if they're looking at Pav and Clark, who's improved for us, and they're going to be stretched. And if we keep Tavener in the side, it's it's one way we can really test them out because I'm not sure if too many uh, taller types have come across Melbourne so far, but it's um, be a good uh, run with the uh, key forwards and their key backs. Yeah, I mean... The other area that'll be interesting to see is they do have a pretty good batch of small forwards. Last, even I mean, the rain probably helped them conditions on that. But Jeff Garlett seems to have you know shown a little bit in the last you know since coming across from Carlton. Kennedy Harris played okay, and as you said, you've got the likes of Jeddah who can run through there as well. So obviously Sutcliffe will take one of those guys, but it'll be interesting to see how they uh, who they play on the other small forward down there as well, whether you use Duffield down there or you know that sort of um, or whether they use Spur on them or something like that, you know, where they try and use a bit more physical player on Garlett or where mm. they try and, you know, have someone who can run off him a bit as well. When you look across that whole Melbourne list and names you just mentioned, you think with our more senior, bigger bodies that we'll have them measured there and the only way that Melbourne can get through is probably on the counter or quick movement and, and Garlett's one that's really improved that ball movement from Melbourne from the years gone past because they were so slow and sort of fell onto our hands when we defended well, but the way that they're playing better is guys like Jeff Garlett that's running the ball through. Yeah, I think that's the other um, point, you know, you mentioned earlier, Seppo, is the fact that the um, Demons have got those younger guys in there. And while, you know, it's going to be very hard, I mean, we can't really be saying anything about playing four-quarter footy at the moment, but you'd have to think that it would be very hard for them to sustain that against, you know, a top, not just us, but any sort of top four side at the moment for that four-quarter. So you know they're going to have a bit of a lull in there, and it's just how effective Fremantle are going to be at... Um, taking advantage of that and getting the uh, scoreboard pressure on like they did in the first half against Sydney on the weekend. Mm. All right. Any other uh, points we want to bring up about the uh, Melbourne game? No, other than the fact there's going to be a, a Melbourne members pre-game uh, function on that the club's emailed out. So make sure you check your emails if you haven't already. Um, it's before the game, 10.30. Um, check the emails for details. And hopefully it's uh, nice weather on Sunday and... We actually get out there and, and put the uh, these demons to the swords and, and get a big result for the um, for this game in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even though we sort of talk about it a little bit, the percentage is still going to be important, but at the end of the day, you just need to keep winning as well. So 
But I don't think with the pressure for spots on at the moment that any player is going to be taking any games off at the moment because they just know that if they do, there's you know one or two or three blokes ready there to take their spot. So I think everyone will be uh, out doing the best, and um, you know, and even you know, even our younger guys, you know, guys with a little bit less experience are always um, standing up at the moment. So um, it's all good for the club at the moment, and uh, good to see them also break through the fifty thousand member barrier during the week, Seppo. Yeah, it's good to see those big num- record numbers, and um, hopefully we see a bigger crowd there. I suppose with Melbourne being up and about, there's going to be a big crowd there. But I want to see now. I've met some more Melbourne members over here, and and starting to get bigger numbers to these away games as well. It'd be great to see as well, and and get more of a voice for the away games as well as the home games. Yeah, I mean, even when I was there over the um, at Geelong the other week, Seppo, it definitely seems to be a more. Uh, more numbers for the Fremantle supporters over there and whether that's a bit of Fife, whether they're getting new members or people travelling, but there definitely uh, seems to be a greater numbers to our away games, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so what do you think the... Uh, what Any tips for this week? Or what's your tip this week, uh, Seppo? Uh, well, I'm going to go Frio by 35 points. I think that's uh, something we can probably get through and um, not absolutely kill it, but I suppose like what we've seen so far, four-quarter performance and a... 35-point win will uh, do me fine. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much... I was going to say about the 40-point mark, so I agree with you. I think it'll be about that. Um, it'd be nice just to see Fremantle come out and play just a solid four quarters, and even if that's a case of winning by two goals every quarter, but um, rather than sort of coming... I mean, it's always nice to be able to sort of uh, smash a team early and then sort of, uh, you know, know the wins in the bag, but at the same time, you'd like to see four consistent quarters as well, and even if that's a case of winning by each quarter by one or two, you know, even a goal or two each quarter rather than just sort yep. of uh, coming out and blitzing. But at the same time, you can't complain when you're 4-0. and So um, I know there's a few naysayers and whatnot, but um, I'll take 4-0 and at the start of the year any day of the week. Definitely. All right. Thanks again for joining us for uh, this sort of uh, impromptu uh, pod this week, Seppo. And uh, as I said, uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing the boys uh, come out during the week and hopefully uh, put, put on another uh, great performance for us. No worries. Thanks for organising this uh, early recording and enjoy your week off. Thank you very much. It will be great to go on holidays. And thanks again for everyone else for listening. And just a reminder, uh, you know, send a message to myself or Seppo if you're interested in coming on. You just need a Skype account. And it's always great to have some different big footy members come on board. All right. We will see you, speak to you all again in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.